We are in uh, part five of a series that we're calling Stress Out. All right, we want to get the stress out, right? So I, I want to welcome you to that, but also welcome all those online today. You're joining us. Uh, you're not just watching the service, you're attending online. Come on, church, let's welcome all those watching today. Thank you for joining us. Being part of, you're, our, you're part of our church family, so we, we just thank you so much for being part of this. And today, uh, we're going we're to talk about a subject that uh, is not controversial, but it's a little misguided. Uh, last week, we heard from my wife who talked about parenting stress, and she knocked the ball out of the park, did so good. But today, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that is, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions around this topic, and, and that is... Uh, depression and mental illness. I want to talk about that because honestly, talk about getting the stress out. There's a lot, a lot of folks who just have stress because of the things they're going through, the depression, the, the, the mental fatigue that they're under. And so I want to talk about that. And this really comes on the heels of Annalise and I finding out uh, about 10 days ago that a pastor who we met and looked up to uh, last August, we met him in San Diego. Uh, ten days ago, he took his own life. And that kind of shook us a little bit, kind of rocked our world like, whoa. Like, it was, it was really, uh, really tough. And so we're, we're coming out of that season, uh, those, those last ten days where, where, where we found out about that. And, and I just feel like I, I got to talk about it because Darren Patrick is his name. Darren Patrick was an incredible pastor. He, he was a father to four kids, a husband, 50 years old, and a, a, a ministry guy, like, and, and then he, he leaves all of that behind. And I just felt like, man, as soon as I heard the news, I thought, man, we got to talk about this. Enough is enough. Come on, somebody. Just, it's, it's enough. And so I, I want you to know that I'm not a counselor. I'm not an expert, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Just, just kidding. Just, I thought that was. I thought y'all were gonna laugh, but you, I guess that joke's been done too many times. So, no, um, I'm, I am. I'm not a counselor. I'm not an expert, but I am a. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I can't talk to you from a clinical standpoint, but I can talk to you from a biblical standpoint. Uh, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does have all the answers. His name is Jesus Christ, and he can heal anything for anybody. Come on, somebody. Do you believe that today? I believe it. It's true. And so we, we want to we talk about this. He can heal anything. Now, uh, I know what some of you are thinking. Man, this message on depression is going to be depressing. But it's not, it's not. We're going to end this today and you're going to leave here better than you came in Jesus' name. That's my prayer every week. Every week I want you leaving this place better than you came in in Jesus' name. So to start with, let's define what depression is. Uh, they say that depression is a mood characterized by reduced pleasure in things that you used to enjoy. Man, I used to love doing something and you don't enjoy that anymore. It's a loss of intimacy. It's it's changes in your appetite where you're eating too much. Or maybe you're eating too little. Maybe you're eating too late, too early. It's, it's, a, it's a change in that appetite. Maybe it's an unintentional weight loss or weight gain. It's sleeping problems. Hey, I had a sleeping problem last night. I, like, I think I had too much sweet tea yesterday. <laughs> 
I ate too late. I ate like at 8.30 at night. Usually don't eat that late. And I, I, uh, the, the TV was going when I was trying to go to bed. And then when I finally did get to sleep, how many of y'all got that Amber Alert? It woke, woke me up like 11 o'clock or something. Then I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm like, I need to find a sleep aid. So I got some of the boys' melatonin. I took some melatonin gummies, and I don't think that helped at all because I felt like I, I never got that deep cycle of sleep, and, I, and now I'm wired all of a sudden, right? So we get these sleep problems uh, through, uh, uh, is, is a symptom of fatigue or a loss of energy, like just being exhausted, feelings of worthlessness, guilt, hopelessness, helplessness. These are all some characteristics of depression, and when I look at that list, I think to myself, my goodness, all of us are probably on that board, right? Every one of us are dealing with something up there. And so that lets me know that we all deal with depression and we all deal with it differently. Amen? We all do. And, and we deal with it differently. So I think one of, one of the things uh, that, that really sticks out to me is what the World Health Organization says. The WHO says that depression is the main cause of disability worldwide right now. They say that depression um, is, is now considered a global epidemic. It, it's, it's happening all over the world except for tribal communities because they don't have all of the stresses in life that we have. Right? They still work outside, carry stuff with sticks and bare feet, and they don't care, right? But we've got all this stuff that stresses us, that depresses us. And, and, and they say that depression medications have increased over 300% in the last few years. Th these statistics are really crazy to me, but the greatest tragedy of all is, like Pastor Darren Patrick, more than a million people worldwide every year decide that they can't go on. And they, they decide to end their life. That's 47,000 people in America every year. Two times the murder rate in America. The number one killer for ages 10 to 34. Y'all yes, hearing me? Come on, y'all. Like, and I'm, I apologized as your pastor. I apologize on churches across America, the local church, for not talking about this. Because church ought to be the number one place, the safest place where we can talk about this. Can I get an amen today? So we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. See, I want you to know this today. If you're struggling, if you're battling, I want you to know that suicide is a permanent, irreversible, you can't change it solution to a very temporary problem. And, and, and we know that the tidal wave comes in. It comes crashing down on you. This tidal wave of emotion comes in on you. And you feel like you can't take it. You feel like you can't bear it anymore. But I'm here to tell you that the same way that that tidal wave comes crashing in, it will recede. It won't be that way forever. And so if you're here today and you're struggling, I want to tell you today, you don't have to end your life to end your pain. You don't have to end your life to end your pain. We know you're dealing with it. We know that it's a heavy burden. We know that it's a struggle. We know that it's real, and we validate it. We say we understand it. We know it. We believe that you have that, that, that weight and that burden that you're carrying, but you don't have to end your life to end your pain. So in my opinion, here's what, here's what I think is part of the problem. I think part of the problem is there's a stigma about it. Are you with me? There's a stigma about depression and mental illness. Because if I told you I was sick, you wouldn't think anything of it. 
I mean, unless I told you I had coronavirus and you'd be like, unclean, unclean. I just shook his hand. Wash it off really quick, right? You'd freak out if I told you I had the coronavirus. But, you know, if, if I told you I was sick, you wouldn't judge me for being sick. You wouldn't think badly about me for being sick. You wouldn't look at me differently for being sick. But tell somebody you have a mental illness. Tell somebody you're depressed and, oh, I don't know, man. Some, something's off. You following me? And there's a stigma that I'm here today. I'm here to proclaim that in the mighty name of Jesus, that stigma has to be ended in Jesus' name. It's got to come to an end. We got to we got to talk about it. We got to get it out in the open. And uh, and you know sometimes I know that coming to church, you feel like you got to put on your best. You know I wear a sport coat uh, to church, but come come Memorial Day to Labor Day. This bad boy is going away. It's too hot to be wearing that in Texas. You know what I'm talking about? So I, I usually wear something like this to church. And you know, we come to church, we put on our best, and we look sharp, and we look good. But what you don't know about that person is that they yelled at their kids on the way out of the house, stay out of the mud, we got to go to church today. You, you drove through fast food to get something. Tell me what you want. What do you want? The lady wants to know what you want. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Right, you, you, you just, then you pull in the parking lot and you say, so help me God, if you make a peep in that service, you will be grounded from PlayStation for the rest of your life. You will never play with your friends again. You know what I'm talking about. Then you get out of the car and you say, hallelujah, <laughs> glory. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. His mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. How you doing today? Blessed and highly favored. Oh, you're not shaking. Blessed and highly favored. Right? You know, we, we do that, don't we? So, so church, is, you, church is a place where you may feel like people have it all together. Can I just tell you nobody's got it together? We all have issues. And if you say you don't have issues, then my friend, that's your issue. Because we've all got issues. We're all dealing with something. We're all struggling in an area. And, and that's, if you're new to church, if you're new to City Hope, you're kind of kicking the tires and you're checking it out, looking under the hood. What's this church all about? I want to just tell you that you have found the perfect church for imperfect people. <laughs> now, hold up. There is no such thing as perfect church. You, you following me? We're just a bunch of imperfect people. You found the perfect church for imperfect people. If you want to know where the imperfect people are, I hope, I hope there's a bunch of them here. We're just imperfect people trying to get close to God, trying to draw close to Him so He can do a work in our lives and change our hearts and set us free. Amen? Just trying to get close to Jesus here. So we're a bunch of imperfect people. And here's what I want you to know today as we, as we dive into the message. I want you to know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. God wants to do something in you. We, we say come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Let God do a work in you. Let God transform you. Let God set you free. Let God do something on the inside of you. And this is why we do small groups. We're launching small groups in just a few weeks. The first week of June, we'll be starting our new small group semester. And, and some of you have led groups before. Some of you 
You're going to lead your group for the first time and others of you, maybe you're not ready to lead a group but you need to be in a group. Either way, whether you lead a group or you attend a group, I'm telling you, it might save somebody's life. It might change their life. It might do a work inside. It might do a work in you. It might do a work in somebody else. And so what we're trying to do through small groups is just to create an atmosphere where it's okay to say, I'm not okay. To take off the mask and say, I'm struggling. I've got some issues. I'm dealing with some things. I've got an addiction. I need some help. And nobody's going to judge you because when you tell them that, they're going to say, oh, you're, you're not alone. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I thought I was the only person who struggled with this. So it's okay to, to not be okay, but don't stay that way. Don't stay that way. Get in a group. When we launch them, you can begin to sign up to lead a group. Do that. Go on our website. Begin to sign up. Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to take a look at, at the Bible. See, God's Word is not silent on the topic of depression. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. And it's written by a guy who was nicknamed the Weeping Prophet. The, the weeping prophet wrote a whole book of the Bible lamenting about all of his troubles. So, so, so the Bible's not silent on the topic. In fact, there's many people all throughout Scripture that the Bible shows us. He, it kind of describes people who dealt with some depression and mental illness. One of those people is Saul. In the one-year Bible today, I read about Saul. And you can see how like he's dealing with some, some depression and some things going on there. And there's people all throughout Scripture. The person we're going to talk about today is uh, the, the Old Testament prophet Elijah. It's found in the book of 1 Kings 18. Elijah, he just went through, just experienced this massive victory. Where, uh, where the power of God showed up, fire fell from heaven, consumed a sacrifice, and, and, and uh, identified a bunch of false prophets, and then they defeat 400 of these false prophets. It's a big day. Elijah's on top of the world. I'm on top of the world, hey. I'm on top of the world, hey. Right? He's on top. He's feeling great. And all of that changes in one moment. In one moment, he goes from being on top of the world to being down in the dumps. What could, what could cause that? What could cause him to go from victory down, down to wanting to go in hiding and run from his life? And I'll show you, it's in 1 Kings 19. You can read 1 Kings 18 to get the backstory. 1 Kings 19 says that Ahab, the king, told godless Jezebel. He told that Je Jezebel was his wife. Told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed the prophets. He killed the 400 prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely... If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. This is, this is the thing that caused Elijah to go from being on top to this de depressive moment. And can I tell you that there's a lesson there. You often, you often don't become depressed because you're already down in the dumps. You, you become depressed. You deal with this mental issue because things were going great. And something happened and knocked your feet out from under you. And this is what happens with Elijah. And it goes on to say in, in verse 3 that Elijah was afraid. Now tell me this. How do you go from seeing the power of God move in such a powerful way and, and, and killing 400 prophets and, and seeing this miracle happen to being afraid of one person? 
to being afraid of one person. And, and so he runs for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, the Bible says that he left his servant there. He said, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to do this on my own. I don't want to be around people. I don't, I don't need any help right now. And, and the Bible says he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. He went by himself to the wilderness. He came to a, a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he would die. He prayed that God would take his life. He said, I've had enough, God. Uh, he, he starts lamenting and he starts this ruminating that we're going to talk about in a minute. And uh, Lord, I've been so faithful to you. Here I am. I, I stood and I took care of all those prophets. And now this, now, now you're going to let one lady do this to me. And, and, and he's, he's self-talking, which is terrible for us. We give ourselves a lot of bad advice. Amen. So, so he says, just take my life. I'll never be like the people before me. I'll never measure up to Moses. I'll never measure up to my ancestors. I'll never be good enough for anybody. And so it's in this context that we read about today that I see four roots of depression that I want to identify. Four things that, that, that can lead us to depression. And then I'm going to give you four, uh, four, four practical steps. Okay, so the first, the first root of depression is this stinking thinking. I've got a thinking problem. Right? He's just, he's thinking the wrong things. Notice how just the day before, he's, he's seen God move in such a powerful way. They defeated these 400 prophets. Now all of a sudden, he's forgotten what God did and what God is able to do. He forgot it. And, and, and he begins to ruminate. Under the tree, he begins to ruminate. Uh, ruminate is a, is a term used for a cow and how they chew their food. Rumination. That a cow will eat the food, chew the food, swallow it. Then what does it do? Regurgitates it. And chews it some more. Then what does it do? Swallows it. Then what? Regurgitates it. This is what we do when we self-talk. I can't believe she did that to me. I can't believe he treated me that way. I can't believe she said that. I, I, I don't understand. And then we swallow it and it bitters our soul. Contaminates us. A few days go by. Something happens. Triggers it. We bring it back up. We begin to chew on it some more. I'll never talk to that person again. If I ever see them again, I'll give them a piece of my mind. And you, and you chew on it some more and then you swallow it. it just contaminates your soul some more. A couple days later, you... you you regurgitate it. You begin again. You see somebody and you tell them, can you believe that? And you just chew it. It's ruminating. It's ruminating. And this is what he's doing there under, under the, the broom tree. And, and the Bible says in Philippians, Paul gives us this advice. He says, hey, guys, think about what's true. What's true? God is good. What's true? Is that if God is for us, who could be against us? What, think about what is noble. Think about what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's, what's admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, the Bible says in the next verse, if you'll think about those things, then the God of peace will be with you. Think about those things. So it's stinking thinking. That's the first thing that we deal with. The first root of depression that Elijah's dealing with, we deal with it. The second root of depression is social isolation. Social isolation. He tells his servant, I don't want to be around you. Uh, in modern day terms, he says, I'm just going to quit going to small group. I'm going to quit going to church because 
you know, I've hurt some people. They hurt me. I'm just, I don't want to face all that. I'm just going to quit going. I'm going to isolate myself. I, I'm going to stop serving on the dream team. I'm going to stop doing these other things. That it's just, and, and you start to pull away. And that's exactly what Elijah did. I don't need you guys. Y'all stay here. I'm going to go on by myself. This is what, this is a root of depression. And you can be sitting next to somebody this morning and still be lonely. You can be sitting next to someone right now and still be lonely. If you're not lonely relationally, you may be lonely in your thoughts. It might be that nobody else knows what you're thinking right now. Nobody else knows what you're going through. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. Right? Nobody knows. And, and, and this is why you need a group. This is why you need somebody to take the mask off and to say, I got to tell somebody about this. Because if you don't, if you hide the hurts, if you, if you hide the pains, it, the enemy will take advantage of you. The enemy will take advantage of you. And the scripture says in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, when you're alone, when you quit going to small group, when you quit, when you push people away, you will be attacked and defeated. But, when, when you find somebody else that you can stand back to back with, you, you can conquer. And when you find three people, when you get a small group around you, that triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I'm, I'm just here to remind you that having somebody in your life who knows what's going on and knows what you're dealing with can be a lifesaver for you. A literal lifesaver. The, the third thing is we see Elijah is running on his feelings. He's running on feelings. We don't run. That, that's the worst thing we could do. The worst thing we could do is listen to our heart. The worst advice you could ever give someone or that you could ever receive is just follow your heart. That's terrible advice because the Bible says the heart is wicked, it's deceitful. It will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. Feelings are fickle. Your feelings will tell you one thing. They'll, they'll lead you down a path that you don't want to go down. Feelings will lie. I'll prove it to you. Those of you who are married, how many of you thought you would marry somebody else before you married the person you married? Right? Oh, I just love her so much. And she just makes me happy. Oh, I know he's the one. And your girlfriends are like, but you said that about the last guy. You know, like, feelings are fickle. They lie to us. They tell us one thing, that's, and, it's, and it's not true. And so we've got to do this. We've got to trust the Word of God. We've got to apply the Word of God, build our lives on the Word of God, not our feelings. John 8, 32 says it this way. Jesus said, if you, if you just trust, if, if, you'll, if you'll know the truth, if you'll build your life on the truth, then you'll have freedom. Know the truth and the truth is what will set you free. Don't build your life on feelings. Don't run on feelings. And number four, the fourth thing is this comparison trap. You know what I'm talking about, the comparison trap. Social media is, is a big comparison trap. You know what I'm talking about? Like, um, this, this, is, uh, this is where nobody ever, have you noticed, nobody ever posts pictures of their messy kitchen counter. Nobody ever posts pictures of the laundry piled up in their bedroom floor. Uh, nobody ever posts the, the pictures of 
the plates after dinner. <laughs> it's always before. And so here we are comparing ourselves, our worst moments, to somebody else's highlight reel. Oh, oh, did you see what they did to their kitchen? I want to try that. And you try it, and it doesn't turn out anything like their kitchen. Because what you didn't know is they hired somebody to help them with their, their kitchen. And, and yours has gaps in the wood and all this, all this weird stuff around. Like, why didn't mine turn out that way? You're comparing your worst moment to their highlight reel. You can't do that. It's a comparison trap. And Paul said in Galatians, he said, Am I trying to please God or people? I mean, am I trying to win hum approval of human beings? Am I trying to make everybody else happy? Am I, tr am, I trying to, am I trying to impress others or God? And the idea of what he's trying to say is you can't do both. You can't impress people and please God at the same time. It's one or the other. And so we've got to choose God. We've got to choose God. Don't worry about pleasing anybody else. Don't worry about pleasing any body else nobody's life is as good as it looks on instagram mm, yeah true all right now what i want to do is I, I gave you four roots of depression four things that we saw in elijah's story there what i want to do now is give you four practical steps now i don't, I don't have time to tell you all the story the back story is first kings 18 the rest of the stories, 1 Kings 19, I want to read a little bit of it to you. And it says, once he got to the, the bush, he laid down and, and he went to sleep. It says that he fell asleep and at once an angel touched him and said, Hey, get up, get up, wake up. I mean, like as soon as he fell asleep, you can tell he's exhausted. He's worn out. He's fatigued. Signs of depression. He, he falls asleep. The angel says, hey, get up. And eat something. So check this out. When, when y'all go to, when, when y'all leave here today, I'm giving you permission to cancel the rest of your day. Just cancel everything else you had planned, all the other things that you were going to do, and just go eat you a good lunch. And, and then, when you get back home, uh, go, go to verse 6. He looked around, and, and, his, and by his head there was some fresh baked bread from Texas Roadhouse with cinnamon butter. That's what I'm talking about. Don't be surprised if you see us there today. I'm giving you permission. Go, go get you a good meal and, and then lay down again. Go, go, go eat you some, some good lunch and then go home and take a nap. And when you wake up, it's going to be dinner time. And, and verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time, I, I'm guessing dinner time, and he said, Hey, get up, time to eat. So you wake up from that nap today around dinner time and you eat again. I mean, you, you just eat a good meal because the journey's too much for you. The angel says to, to Elijah, you've got to eat something. You've got to get nourished. You've got to feed yourself because this journey, this thing you're doing in life is too much for you. You can't do it on your own. You need to get in God's presence. You need to be with some people because you can't do this on your own. Amen? And in verse 8 says, So he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days, 40 nights, until he reached Horeb. That's Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he slept again. <laughs> he fell asleep. Now the rest of the story, I'm just going to recap for you, kind of um, paraphrase 
for you. You can read it on your own up to verse 19. But the next day, when he wakes up, God calls him to the mouth of the cave. And, and when he gets to the mouth of the cave, there's this windstorm. But God's not in the windstorm. Then there's this, there's, there's this earthquake that happens, but God's not in the earthquake. And then there's a fire. God's not in the fire. And then there was this still, small voice. Still, small voice. And God was there. God was there. See, God didn't show up in, in, in the in the wonder of all of those things he showed up in the whisper he didn't show up in the majesty of all the power and all the things that he could do he showed up in the moment the whisper and in those last few verses God gives Elijah some things he gives him some new assignments he gives him some practical steps that I'm going to give you today and these practical steps are good for anybody but they're especially good for somebody here today or maybe you're watching online who feels like your family would be better without you it's a lie from the pit of hell I'm here to tell you today in the name of Jesus that's not true that's not true so there's four practical steps you make the first one is this you, you've got to get physically healthy Maybe that's not grammatically correct. Maybe it's get healthy physical, physically, I don't know. Just get physically fit, right? In the words of real to real, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Hey, move it! Physically fit, physically fit, physically, physically, physically fit. King Julian in the house. Come on, get, get physically fit. Get outside. Get, go walk the, the, the trail by Lake Wichita. Look at all the dead fish on the shoreline. <laughs> go, go get in some, some sunlight. Go walk the neighborhood. Get a bicycle. Ride the trail around. Go, go to the Wichita mountains. Do something to just, just get, get physically fit. Get, get physically healthy is what I'm trying to say. This is, this is what Elijah did. He, he got out of his comfort zone and he started eating and he, and he got healthy and sleeping right and, and have a good meal I'm not talking about driving through the fast food place for the 16th day in a row passing it out to your kids driving with your knee I'm talking about go somewhere good for lunch today if you've got something in the crock pot go home, sit around the table and just fellowship and, and tell stories and don't worry about cleaning it up right after just, just rest just, just rest a little bit Rest from your labors. Get physically healthy. Quit. We're too rushed. We're too fatigued. And the Bible says in Psalms that in vain you toil. In vain you, you, you wake up early, you go to bed late, you're worn out, and you're toiling. You're working hard to make more money to take care of your family. But in the words of the late Darren Patrick, who I told you about earlier, he was famous for saying... How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? You're just working yourself into a frenzy. How's, how's that working out? Because it's really, it's God who grants sleep to those he loves. In vain you do all of these things. Get healthy physically. That number two is this. Pour my soul out to God. You've got to pour your soul out to God. 
God. Man, I'm telling you, he can handle anything that you throw at him. When, when Elijah got to this cave, the next morning he had some self-pity going on. He, he was having this self-talk. He was ruminating again. His song was the hee-haw song. Where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I've searched the world over and thought I found true love. If y'all know it, help me out. You met another and you were gone. Yeah. That's his theme song in the cave. Can't believe it, God. You treated me this way. He's ruminating. He's self-talking. It's dangerous for him to be doing this. He's doing it. What he's saying to God is, there's nobody else who's going to follow you like me. Everybody else has left you. Everybody else has deserted you, God. There's no other people to follow you but me. But what he didn't know was God had preserved 7,000 other people who were followers of him. When you think you're all alone, let me tell you, you're not alone. You're not in it by yourself. Neither was Elijah. So you've got to pour your soul out to God. Um, the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. And when you pour your soul out to God, what you're doing is you're, you're just, you're, just you're, you're giving him all you got. He can handle your screams. He can handle your cries. He can handle your yelling. He can handle your lies. He can handle all the things that you want to tell him. He's not going to be offended by it. He'll listen to you. And if you pour it out for him, I promise you it's going to do you some good. If you pour it out to him, if you'll tell him, if you'll talk to him about it, it'll do you some good. Come on. It's not, you're not doing it for him. He doesn't need to know. You're doing it for you. So uh, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. Those of you who are weary and burdened, you feel like giving up, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Number three, we've got to experience the power and presence of God. This is a practical step. When you're, when you're feeling depressed, when you're, when you're feeling worn out mentally, when you're dealing with some things, experience the power and presence of God. And I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning at church. I'm talking about Monday through Saturday. I'm talking about putting it on your calendar and scheduling it into your time I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about shutting out the world and the distractions and putting the phone down and turning the TV off and getting in God's presence for, for me I know that I have to do it early in the morning I have to do it before everybody else wakes up the first thing I do is make a cup of coffee then I get this blanket if it's cold in the house, I just I like to cut, I like, I like to just warm up a little bit. I'll I'll get this blanket and I got a cup of coffee in my hands and I, I have this uh, my house is designed design where I can walk in a square and I walk, no joke, about a mile every day in my house, just praying, just getting in God's presence. Today I prayed the the, the Lord's Prayer. I use that as my guide to just pour my heart out to God. And then I went in my recliner in my in my office and I sat there and I read God's word and I let him speak to me and I let him I let him talk to me. And you've got to do that for yourself. I can't do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. You've got to do that for you. Get in his presence and experience him in a powerful way. Psalm 46 says that this way, that when you, if you'll be still, if you'll just be still, then you'll know that he's God. Just be still, comma, then you'll know he's God. Be still. 
Number four, the fourth thing is this. Let God do a new thing in you. A lot of our problem is that we've just been doing the same things over and over again and we wanted a different result and we didn't get it. God has a new thing for you. God has something new in store. He has a new direction. He has a new purpose. He has a fresh purpose for your life. And the whole reason we have the dream team here at church is not because we're trying to build a building, it's because we're trying to build you. And what we believe is that if we can help you discover your purpose, if we can help you find direction for your life, if we can help you know what you're put on this earth to do, then you will be fulfilled and you'll have something worth living for. That's why we do it. You need that for your life. You need to discover the purpose and the destiny that God has for you. So let him do something new in you. Isaiah 43 says it this way. See, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? Can you see what God wants to do in you? You feel like you're in a desert and he says, I'm making a way for you. You feel like you're in a wasteland and he's saying, I'm sending streams of living water for you. It's not going to be that way forever. 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul tells us about his perspective on all this. Now Paul, the apostle, lived a pretty, um, pretty harsh life after he got saved. After he gave his life to Christ, things were not a bed of roses for him. Uh, he, uh, more than likely, his wife let him, left him at some point. Most theologians believe he was married at some point. But then we see he wasn't married at another point. Uh, he, he was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. You know, Jesus got 39 stripes once. Paul got them multiple times and survived. He was stoned. And I'm not talking about... I'm talking about he was... Rocks were thrown at him. He was stoned. But look, look at this. This is his response. He says, hey, I, we don't lose heart. I don't, we don't lose heart. Though we're outwardly wasting away, things are falling apart all around us. Inwardly, we're being renewed. We know who we belong to. We know that Jesus Christ is our God and our King. And he says, he, look what he calls his troubles. He says, our trouble is light and momentary. Everything I'm dealing with on this earth, the shipwreck, the stoning, the, the, the whippings that I've gotten, the imprisonment, all that I've dealt with is light and momentary. It helps me achieve an eternal glory that outweighs everything on this planet. And he says, so here's what I got to do. We got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We got to fix our eyes on what is, not, not on what is seen, but what is unseen because what I see down here it's hurtful what I see down here if I think about it too long it, it, it'll mess with me if I, if I focus on what is down here I'll be depressed but I gotta look at what's unseen because what, what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal what's unseen is heavenly we gotta fix our eyes on Jesus uh, years ago about 12 years ago um God put a dream in our hearts to start this church. And uh, we, we didn't know anything about church planting. We were just not prepared. We just tucked that dream away in our hearts. And we thought maybe one day, maybe one day we'll, we'll see this happen. 
fast forward years later it's 2016 2017 we're living in a suburb of Huntsville Alabama it's the number one it's the fastest growing city in Alabama Huntsville's the tech capital of Alabama just an incredibly fast-paced city growing like crazy our kids were in the best school system in the state our our we just built a brand new home things were were going well for us like man we, we had a lot of things it was great on paper but on the inside we if I'm if I'm honest with you we're depressed we were miserable on the inside I was looking for ways out like how could I how could I just maybe find another job that that we could survive on and I'll just quit the ministry I'll just get out and, and then God just began to remind us of this uh, dream that he put in our hearts to start this church and we began to talk to our pastor about that and, and it wasn't until we went all in with this dream until we said we're, we're going all in it wasn't until that moment that the depression started to lift why? because now we had something to live for now we had a new hope now we had purpose now we had destiny now we knew why we existed now we knew why God had put us on this earth we knew what we were here to do and I'm telling you today that the same purpose that God gave us he can give you that, that he's not a respecter of persons he gave, the same role he gave to us he can give it to you today and he wants to do that for you he wants to do that for you so we're going to close out today a little bit different uh, we're, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up right where you are and we're going to sing this song that says I'm going to see a victory I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord this battle's not mine and right now I want to ask you right where you are what's the Holy Spirit whispering to you today are you battling with some depression are you battling with some mental fatigue with some mental illness are you struggling in your mind today are, are you, do you have some stinking thinking? Do you have, are you socially isolating yourself from other people, not letting them in? Are you running your life on feelings? Are you comparing yourself to everybody else? If so, today is the day that can change, that God can bring you victory. Do you believe that? I believe it. Come on, let's just lift up our hands in this place today. If you feel comfortable, let's just lift this up to God. Let's sing this out. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory The battle belongs Belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. The battle for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take, you take, yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. And you turn it for good.